so yeah, man, there's a lot of that stuff happening. Well, I would like superheroes to not go away. <laughs> Just because we have so many stories to still tell. I mean, dude, as and, long as uh, you're telling your yeah, own stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also the fact that a lot of the superhero genre is is very similar by having other things like the, the reason why people like the Christopher Nolan Batman is because it was really dark. It, 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 typical superhero movies have a certain light that they're seen under, and when you go really dark like that, it's all of a sudden a, a new story. The Joker, a totally like I know that's not superhero, but it's in the superhero realm. It's like it's yeah. in that uh, it's in that universe, and yet that's a totally different story. Yep. So yeah, yeah. yeah. What you're talking about? Yeah, that's why. Like after somebody, I forgot who, <laughs> uh, said that ink has like a horror feel to it. I was like, oh well, now we're gonna run with that. So like it's superhero, yeah. but like there's such like a horror aspect. No, to it. you totally oh. should. You totally should. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I mean, so the second issue is definitely like that. <laughs> I mean, even if you look at my own properties, you've got science fiction urban fantasy, um, horror comedy. Um, so, I mean, none of them really delve into that um, superhero realm. And even some people said, oh, like, Welcome to the Void looks like it could go in that direction. Looks like it, but um, not not so much. A hero does not make a superhero. You know what I mean? Like, there's heroes in everything. So, yeah, yeah man. Uh, journey, you know what I mean? That's the typical, like, you know, any everything goes through that. Yeah. Are anti-heroes thrown in with superheroes? Certainly. I, I well, sorry, not if certainly. Anti-heroes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, oh yeah. God. There are superheroes who are anti-heroes, but anti-hero is more of a um, a character trope or a character type. Yeah. And so an anti-hero can be in in anything. Um, certainly, I would say a there's a lot of um, anti-heroes in horror. Because there's a lot of really shitty people. Best example of anti-heroes: people that are like good sometimes, bad other times. Like <coughs> the Punisher. Yep. Well, that's that's not horror though. But yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> I was just like naming somebody. He's, yeah, he's just decided he's going to name anti-heroes. Yeah, start, yeah. He's he's done with the Canadian the Canadian actors, and now he's moving <laughs> to something else. Yeah. Careful. Uh, cucumber. It's like now I'm naming vegetables. <laughs> I'm gonna start naming idioms, just like what Dylan was doing earlier. Uh, uh, yeah, like we have a couple anti-heroes in our whole universe because they're just fun to write. Same with villains. I can't. I, well, I can write heroes, obviously. Um, you know, most of a reviewer reviews my book and says it's shit, but whatever. Um, yeah, I like <laughs> I like anti-heroes and uh, villains more because they're just more fun to write. So, yeah, those are pretty awesome. But I like writing horror after I wrote this <laughs> recent one that I did for our upcoming second issue of our anthology. It's, like, really funny, but it's not – it's pretty fucked up. So, and it – yeah. You know, I but I agree with you. I wrote uh, when I wrote my piece for Cthulhu Invades Us, which again we're playing off of that um, public domain thing. Um, I really touched upon what's going on, Austin. So he's like, "Shit!" <laughs> I'm like, I'm like working on mail stuff for my Kickstarter. And next thing I know, it's like 11:45. I'm like, it was nine o'clock, like five minutes ago. I'm so sorry. 
Oh, hi. You got the floor. Take it. Quick run. All right. Good. So what did I miss, man? What, what? Hi, hey, Gavin. I'm sorry, man. We were, we were naming uh, Canadian, Canadian actors. actors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, think about the panel. Right? Is that, is that one of them? I don't know. <laughs> Who was that? Tom Hanks? I don't know. No, not Canadian. No, we'll, not. we'll accept him, but he's not Canadian. No, he's not Canadian. He's not an actor, but Justin Bieber, because you, you can have him. So No, no, he no. Uh, America has gladly taken him, and we're cool with that. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, you, you signed the contract, motherfucker. You enjoy it. <laughs> I, 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 I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, what I'm doing. No, he, thank you. He was a good boy when he was in Canada. You guys ruined the fuck out of that kid. Well, Hollywood ha- does that sort of thing. <laughs> it does do that, says the filmmaker. Um. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about the evolution of the comic book in the comic book industry. Uh, we were talking about you know how horror kind of like started coming back and superheroes are kind of going down a little. Mm. We're talking about different trends and different genres and their um, – the uh, the the way that those are, are working and whatnot right now in the industry. Okay, so to give you a little background on me, I, I started comics back in 1994 professionally. And during around that time, uh, Marvel and DC were kind of king, but the independent market was really boosting a lot of stuff, Teenage Mutant Turtles and, and all that sort of thing. It's nice seeing they go full circle. The independent market has really roared back and is doing a lot of really neat stuff. You know, the second tier publishers like Boom and IDW are great, but even lower tier publishers are really putting out quality stuff like like you guys and even independent people doing their own books. They have the capabilities and the technology to go stride for stride with the big two. And it's, it's exciting, exciting to see because they don't have a lot of new ideas and we're coming with a lot of great ideas and the kickstarters and everything and the sales are really kind of showing it so it's the technology that's here nowadays i wish we had back in the early 90s early 2000s a whole maybe a whole different aspect of it i mean but in the same regards when i put out my first book through diamond and capital they were begging for anyone to put anything in their books to solicit. So we got written really easy. I got my little spotlight and we got orders and got a profit and everything. And this is like six months into the whole thing. I thought, oh, this is easy. 25 years later, I'm still, you know, embracing obscurity in the comic book industry. And there you go. Well, but that's a really good point, actually, is with this, um, with the introduction of Kickstarter and it being easier to uh, to create comics i would say like i've only been making comics funny enough for the past three or four years right. um I, I i earned my first uh, credit back in 2017. so um i've seen even in my limited time the sort of uh the raising of the bar of what is acceptable and what people are, are cool with and what they're not and you're 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 seeing a lot more of that um and you're you're seeing that in in backer counts and in how much people are how much money people are bringing in and uh a lot of stuff and that's uh it, it's huge you know and so as that stuff becomes more prominent and as 
um, Kickstarter gets more and more uh, eyes on it, you know, as with uh, Keanu Reeves being on the on the platform and, you know, people, um, major publications now talking about Kickstarters that are on there, such as Rolling Stone and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. the, these there's more and more eyes on this. And so those those books that are reaching over that bar, they're having eyes on them and they have a constant life on that platform. Like Blau one might have come out in in mid twenty nineteen, but you can still go and find it and look at it and check it out and see what it did, yeah. and and go oh okay, and you can see all the different comics that have come out since and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, man, they have a constant life on that platform. Thank you, homie. Shout out to you <laughs> for your good, your excellent taste. So it's interesting that you say that, Chuck, because I when I had my one on one with with Greg and Dylan. With Kickstarter, I had made mention that it'd be smart for comic book stores themselves to embrace the local creators and like get on board with Kickstarter as their own specific tiers. Whereas if people pledge that specific tier, they can get books and everything, plus maybe discounts at the store, which would drive more people in and, and get more exposure and more money. I think they're missing the boat on that. A lot of people haven't. Again, Kickstarter has really gone mainstream this within past year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. They haven't jumped on board. The ones who have, I think, are reaping the rewards. So Yep. You even have guys like um like Travis Gibb who are doing fantastic work with retailers and have amazing retail tiers. And that's something that people need to more and more discover and push and recognize that, hey, yeah, Kickstarter as a platform is nice. But when you're able to tie Kickstarter in with comic companies as well, oh, shit, that's double dipping, baby. Why are you not doing that? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, man, there's certainly a way people are continuing to um, revolutionize and, and add on, on to the platform and make it not just – this isn't just you get to shop here and do this once. Now yeah. you get to shop here, but – you get to someone else gets to pick it up for their their store and it has a second life and on and on well i know that it's exciting that people have that ability to get a wide variety of books that wouldn't normally be able to get in these stores when diamond and capital went head to head and did the exclusivity like dc's with this and marvel's with that and image was that and that was really kind of the starting of the downfall of the collectability market and Stores were kind of having a hard time because they weren't sure who to order with and everything. Um, now you're seeing people can just click for themselves. And then if they like something, they can go to the store. I, I, I don't understand why stores themselves don't go on Kickstarter. And you want, you know, Diamond, you want the book? Go on Kickstarter. It's all literally right there. You can see what's selling well. Order some books, put it in the store and see if you can get an audience that way. It behooves them, and and I know creators like myself, and I'm sure you guys, if a store came to you and say, hey, we saw you on Kickstarter, this is really cool, we'd like to do something on your next Kickstarter, order some books and maybe do a signing. Yeah, absolutely, sign me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because the, the problem is is that what we all need to understand as, as people who are not only creators, but we're also businessmen, all of us. 
and entrepreneurs. And so even the uh, the comic uh, stores need to understand that just because you've got your brick and mortar doesn't mean that your whole store needs to be brick and mortar. Someone like Jen King from uh, from Space Comics, or I don't remember the, the name. It's out of Houston. But uh, Jen King is doing amazing work. And her, she, I've, I'm, a lot of stores actually are making more money on their auctions and on their websites and on their Facebook and Twitches and all that kind of stuff than they are with walk-in, certainly during times like these. So why would you just stick to this one way? I mean, the whole reason why a company like Toys R Us went out of business is they chose to be a dinosaur. They yeah. chose like, oh, we don't need to use the internet. Somebody else can do that. Oh, okay. Well, somebody else is going to take your business, motherfucker. And that's so exactly. we all need to see that in our own businesses. Yeah. Can, Kickstarter is awesome, but it is only one thing. So right. let's let's get ourselves to as many of those tiers as possible and as many of those different platforms and uh, storefronts, distribution methods, all of that. Now, are, are you seeing that, Gavin, and, and your stuff that you're doing? Do you, are stores embracing you or are they, is it more you're getting more people through Kickstarter and online? You know, um, there is, uh, I'm going to do a little shout out. There's a comic book store over where I live, Ranch Cucamonga, California. Um, it's called Four Color Fantasies. And that's a fantastic store. Um, comic book store because they completely embrace local creators um, enough to where they'll have signings. I had um, issue one signing there. You know, people will buy my comic book. So they. So it, it's it depends on the store. I mean, some people. I mean, um, the owner Chris Brady. He just completely loves what he does and he throws out the red carpet as much as he possibly can so you'll get those stores that will um will do that not every store is able to i don't know i mean it's it's on a case-by-case -case basis but um <clears throat> there definitely are um stores that do embrace creators um so i try to um stick to that store and i'll have i'll have uh, some of my issues um right. there you know um yeah. but i have been definitely ever since i've been uh part of you know sierra nova comics i've been expanding that to digital so i've been playing with that i that's actually something i'm not used to is the digital aspect of it i'm used to going to the, to the shows to the cons to the you know doing those things so um there's that um and uh, as far as kickstarters go i haven't i have yet to do one um i have one in my mind that that i want to work on um for, for my complete collection right. uh, of the stone legacy which is six issues so that's gonna, i think that's going to be my first um foray into, foray into that um and i'm trying to decide if i want that to do kickstarter or to do indiegogo now you mentioned about oh. And everything. One, one second, Chuck. Talking about the evolution and everything over the years. Back when we were just starting, conventions were small. They weren't really that big. Uh, maybe a two or so day show. You had dealers and you had a table, and they brought artists in. You didn't. It didn't cost anything for people to sit down. They were more than happy to have you there and sign books. 
as you went along, even the bigger shows like Megacon, you could basically sit wherever you wanted to. There was no assigned seating from like 1999 up until about 2009 or 10. One year I sat next to Mark Wade, the other time I sat next to John Byrne, we just sat and did whatever. Um, now these conventions are so big, that the focus is more on media and cosplaying and everything but comic books. You're moving back to the smaller shows, the libraries and the stores to really get that one-on-one -on -one interaction with so quote-unquote new fans of yours. It's interesting. You went from small to really big now to back to small. Um, and I really think in the next few years, that's where you're going to see good growth for independent creators is smaller shows, more intimate, because a lot of people aren't able to travel because it's so expensive to go to these conventions. And you're not able to get that one-on-one -on -one time. As a creator, it's almost impossible to get into these these conventions. I mean, I've worked for Marvel and blah, blah, blah. And even I don't get in for most shows because there's nothing current. You know what I mean? If you don't have a current credits on these one or two, you know, the big two or IDW or something like that, chances are you're not going to get a seat at their table, period. And that's just wrong because you have a lot of great creators that really need that exposure on the big stage with big shows. And that's not happening. So, well, it's true. I'm um, about well, to. Uh, larger shows, um, well, LA Comic Con, which was Stanley's Kamikaze, which I lost track of what it's called now. Um, which has it, and, and, and the bigger shows are hard, like you said, to keep afloat there. Um, so oh, I, they're, they're, they're so compact with Marvel DC, you're in the aisles and you're like, eh, don't, don't touch me, don't touch me. But when you get to the artist alley, it's like, oh, such a such a widespread of um, breath, but then you get to interact with them. Like we've we have we have so many fans that will come up to us, and 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 it's so uh, inspiring and it keeps us going. You know what I mean? It just right. I mean, it keeps us going just to sit there yeah. and chat with somebody for like ten minutes. Uh, who cares about the passerbyers? Look. After 25 years, I'm excited someone still wants to come to my table and talk to me and maybe buy yeah, something. It blows my mind. It totally yeah. does. So, Right? Mm -hmm. I, just, I, just wanted, I just wanted to come in and I just wanted to say, hey, hi. I, I'm, I support my husband. She's um, the was it print media director? Direct, I, I'm actually everything. He's just, she, mm. she makes it pretty. She takes all the stuff. And she makes it pretty and gets everything ready, packaged for the printer. That's so. where, the, like I said earlier, I was like, "Oh, you need to do something in your background. Don't, don't just leave it in the books and shit." You know, you know. I was watching you guys earlier, and I, I'm sure you saw my posts and stuff. And I was like, "Are you gonna last?" <laughs> so you're all good, but yeah, I love this. Um, I have a paper which he's. I told. Him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to include you guys, Sierra Nova, to, in my in my paper because you guys are revolutionary, uh, re revolutionizing uh, uh, virtual cons before virtual cons even came about. You guys were doing this. He was sitting here and he was like, "Shh, don't come in, don't come in. I'm doing my stuff, right?" And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> You know, but but seriously, you guys, I, I, I'm going to keep promoting you and making sure you guys 
you guys go far because this is important. You know, we 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 have creative sense, and yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well said. Thank you. Okay. It's Welcome Steve aboard, by the way, Raquel. Here, so yeah. I, I, I'm going to go now. But yeah, hi. Hey. Hi. <laughs> so do you guys, since I'm the old man here, do you guys have any questions for me on stuff that happened in the past or anything like that? Or was there anything that people post you wanted me to chat on? I'm so sorry. Uh, I mean, we already talked about all that time. Um, your ass wasn't here. We <laughs> really talked about Egyptian hieroglyphics. Yeah, they literally <laughs> went back to like hieroglyphics. We did go back to hieroglyphics. Yeah. While I was like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. water or something. We yeah. didn't cover dinosaurs though, so I don't know about uh, maybe like right. land before time. Yeah, something. I wanted to bring up um, in the nineties. They had, you know, variant covers, chromium cover, um, I don't know, cutout covers, cutters were covers where they actually shot with a bullet, variant stuff, right? Right. And I thought they kind of came to their senses in the last, what, I see, I've seen that more and more. Um, but if you guys have been paying attention to... Kevin Eastman's comic book, um, The Last Roman, coming yeah. out. That has 70 variants. Yeah. Um, there's a comic that Travis and Luke, Travis Gibbon, uh, Luke Stone did. Uh, Voodoo Nations. They did like 7,000 variant cover. Uh, <laughs> they, they did a lot of variants for that. Um, we, we personally haven't done... We only did one other variant, and uh, we actually were reviewed by the man above you of that cover for like five seconds um, while he was just chatting with us one day. And he's like, you could do better. I was like, all right. <laughs> so if for a variant cover, you should probably get somebody that's like noteworthy and like has little, you know, time like experience that has an audience. So like if Austin had like was able to do a cover, he'd be like, Oh, you want to do a cover for us? And he'd be like, Oh yeah. And then his audience would like come to our Kickstarter and then they'd yeah. be like, oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of go ahead, Chuck. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about variants is that it does allow you to tap into the different um, different people's audiences and whatnot. It also gives you a little bit of legitimacy and credence. And I'll say, like, for my first book, I had no variants and because personally, I don't really buy them. You know, the the variant would have to. And I'm not like a collector. I'm a collector of stories. Not a, I'm not a guy who necessarily wants to have all of his books slabbed and stuff. The problem with that is, is that I'm not selling comics to me. I'm selling comics to collectors. What do they want? And um, Belial 2 had about six variants, and those variants did very well. And yeah. we had a really good time with it, and, and that Kickstarter did quite well. I was very happy with it. And that's because we recognized that we're, we're, we need to find who our audience is, what those people are looking for, and more and more, they do want those variants. They are excited by those things. So um, finding those those talents who are going to um, add some excitement to your title and get some new eyes on them, it's huge. It's so huge for so, us. Gavin, to answer your question, 
The reason they did variants in the chromium covers and everything back in the day, collectability was at an all-time high, and you had a lot of speculators and stores are really looking for the next thing, and they tapped into it. One. Two, Marvel doubled their uh, output when it came to books. Instead of once a month, it was twice a month. It, before, it was just through the summer, then it was like all year long because people were buying it. They were buying the stories and the cross covers and everything like that. What happened was with all these different covers and everything is wasn't the covers themselves. It was the amount of books being printed per issue. You had a Chromium cover, but you had 850,000 copies of said book. So their automatic collectability of it is not going to be there because there's so many more of those books that need to go away in order for any value to get there. What's interesting about variants nowadays is you have a lot of different ones, but they're being made for specific stores like high and a bunch of other ones are getting these artists to do store specific variants that are approved by the publisher for number ones or whatever. And they can say we got 70 variants, but they're not exactly for everyone. They're for certain certain stores that, hey, only at this store you can get, only at this store, only here, only here, and specific artists like um, Alan Quad and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. So they're being smarter about their variants. But I will say some people are just doing variants for the sake of doing variants just to do a lot of covers. They're doing themselves a disservice and they're going to be losing money. they got to be smart about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Catalyst Comics actually makes a cover that doesn't have a price on it at all, and it gave me an idea to do that for us. So um, for the store to pick the price. So they have um, Arkham Comics in Florida, I think. Well, not Florida. I think it's in North Carolina. Yeah. And they that's like the one store that they're like super loyal to so far. Right. And they pick the price for the comic book, which is probably four or five dollars, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and they make the money on that. But they don't actually have that little tag on the thing that shows well, the, the UPC. Yeah, Greg, you told me about. I, I just learned what a Virgin cover was like a couple of weeks ago. I've got a Kickstarter for Stanley and Snowman. I didn't know what it was. What's a Virgin? And they explained it to me like, oh, that's really neat because uh, Mitsushiro Arita. He was the uh, original artist for the Pokemon card game. He did a cover for Stanley and Snowman. So that's going to be the Virgin cover and a variant for the Kickstarter. Um, I'm lucky enough to call him a friend. He did it. It's amazing. I'm very excited about it. So we got the regular cover. I've got a uh, social distancing variant cover and then this cover. And that's really kind of it because I'll, I'll lose track because I'm old. Um, but to me, that's a really cool variant. If you can find an interesting artist or someone that can go on your book, Gavin, and something that will be different, and you'll have different uh, fans of theirs come to your book and broaden your fan base, that's really what you want to try to look at. Like when we do through Scout Comics, uh, is our scoot, sorry, for uh, Stanley, I'm talking with a lot, I'm, I'm pulling in some chips, I'm pulling in some favors of, People I've known for years in the comic book industry, you know, uh, different artists that you wouldn't normally think of to do covers for number one, just because I'm a fan of theirs. And I think having different artist takes, you know, like Rob Gilroy and, and, and all that, 
um, would be really cool, I think. Well, and you and I are brothers in Scoot, Austin, because yeah. I'm uh, I'm a co-creator of uh, Cat Dad. Are you just? I know. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. So. I'm very excited. Very excited. Yes, sir. I can't wait. Well, we're doing oh, okay. uh, we're doing Christmas in July. Stanley's going to be six issues. Uh, so we're going to do from July all the way up to December, and then we'll do the the trade, whatever. So That's I'm writing Kickstarter for one to cover some art costs, and hopefully we can cover it all. But I. Again, I'm new in Kickstarter. I've only done a few. I don't know too much a whole about it. I've been lucky to get things funded through the grace of God. But, you know, I, I'm, it's a learning process. Each time I try to do one, I learn something. It's more about learning what not to do. And and kids' books are tough on Kickstarter. Um, they, they can be very tough on Kickstarter because, you're, you know, when, when you're on Kickstarter, you're aiming directly for an audience. But right. with a kid's book, you're not aiming for your audience. You're aiming for the parents of your audience. You're aiming for the people who are going to gift those books. And that's a little tougher. There's there's another layer there because you, you don't have a lot of kids running through Kickstarter going, ooh, ooh, ooh you know, what's there? So yeah. um, it, it's tough. I mean, we had a hard time with, um, with Cat Dad. We actually, it, it failed in the original, but we were finally able to get it out there, succeed, make it happen. And now it has that second life in uh, in Scout, and we get to move forward with that. We're working on uh, on issue two and onward. So, yeah, yeah man, it's um, that that's another thing. You know, you're looking at, at your genres, uh, what works where, how do they, you know how do they work, all that kind of shit. Absolutely. Well, I I tapped into, I talked to a bunch of people in the anime community, talked to them about the ideas, and they thought that would be per someone would be a perfect uh, story. For that genre as an anime book so i i think with that and it's a holiday book so that's that kind of appeals to a wide variety of different people we'll see all you can do is try and then then we'll see what happens i think it'll do great man i'm excited to see it happen me too me too be good when it's done right so Greg, I'm not kept us 15 minutes over because i suck and i'm late Oh, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm happy to keep chatting. The only thing I'm you can keep talking if you want. Uh unless if people want to go to sleep. I don't I don't sleep, so I'm just like Chuck, I, I don't sleep. So he can read. <laughs> I, I can read. Those are words. Um they are. <laughs> so I, I've got an interesting story and Greg, you reminded me. Since you live in the Albany, your Albany area, am I correct on that? Yep, Gilderland. Yeah. So when I was 96, um, after um, my first book, Seventh Millennium, it's basically my D&D characters. Uh, we were at a show, and Jimmy Palmiotti was sitting next to me. And this is when Ash Number One was just came out. So we're talking about books, and he liked, and I'm like secretly drooling over him because I'm an inker. He's like my my inker god. Uh, and we talked about books and how to do things, and it, it was interesting. He was nervous. It's one thing working for the big two, but it's doing stuff on your own and putting out your own book. He was a little nervous because he didn't know exactly what was going to happen, and it, it gave me a little good feeling because I'm really nervous, and I'm nobody. Here's this guy who's worked for <laughs> DC. He's nervous, too. And I, the more 
even people who've worked in the big doing your own stuff it's you it's a vulnerable thing to do because you're putting yourself out there right the fact that you're able to make a book and get it done is a monumental accomplishment that a lot of people are not able to do and i tell that to people all the time like oh well, i'm not you know the book is oh, look you finished 90% of people can't even finish a book. So the fact that you're able to do it and learn from it is huge. So that's what he kind of told me. He was like, look, it might not be the best, but you did it. Now make another one and make it better. I said, absolutely. That's what I'm going to be doing. And that's what I've tried to do over the years. And that's pretty much what I've done across the board. Even when I got into film, anything I've done making films, the first one, second, everything's tried to be a little bit better. And yeah, try not to beat yourself up too much. Right, Dylan? I was going to say, I say that a lot with, like, artists that come and work, like, with my brother. Like, a lot of them are, like, super nervous. Like, the, the thing they're about to release is going to be, the like, their their baby, and it's going to be the best thing they've ever done. It's like, listen, here's, here's two pieces of advice. The first one is, no, it's not going to be. Right. And second, if you planned on that, that means you plan on never getting better. You should presume that you like, you should always release something a little bit earlier than you're comfortable with. Yeah. Right? Like not way earlier because then it's not finished and it might suck. But like, you know, you should be you, you need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable releasing your stuff because it's yeah. never going to be perfect. And until you release it, you can't get better because you won't get the feedback you need to get better. Right. Going yeah. back to the, the evolution on things. Back in the day, if you wanted to show your stuff to people, you actually had to go to a convention. You could mail things. Yeah, back all the way in 2019. Uh, you know, you could mail things in, but it almost never really worked. You get a nice, you know, <laughs> not very good letter from Marvel DC, but when you go to shows, you're in front of <coughs> and everything, and you'd get critiqued. I was starting to feel good about myself. I'm showing myself about a year. I had my book out. And I'm at a show in Ithaca, the Ithacon. I don't know, Greg, if you know that one. I, I don't know that, but I know Ithaca is a right. place. I know, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I know about the con, but I, I haven't been there either. So I'm there, and I've got my samples, and I'm feeling good. And Kim Yale was there. And if you don't know who Kim Yale was, Kim was married to John Ostrander. John Ostrander is a writer, and he wrote, um, God, pretty much every DC book known to man. Um, so I went up to her and I'm feeling confident. I showed my stuff to her. So she takes a look, flips a book, flips it back. And she yells out very loudly, Oh my God. And everyone, the entire convention stopped and looked at me pen drop. And she goes, now let me tell you something. And she literally went through every single page and picked every single little thing wrong. And I've got the beads of sweat in the back of my head. And I'm just petrified, mortified. And this has gone live for like 20 minutes. Seemed like forever. When she's done, she's shut the book and handed it back to me. She goes, you want to know why I did that? And I'm thinking, you're psycho, you're crazy, blah, 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 blah. She goes, because if you work on these things and send it in, I'd hire you. She took the time to be brutally honest and looked at my stuff. Now, not saying to be brutally honest, but what I'm saying is, you need to show yourself to as many people as you possibly can. Your family is amazing and they love you, but they're a detriment to you. They won't help you. Even checks to know the Yeah. 
<laughs> have it read to as many people as you can, show your art to as many people as you can, and then sift through that information. If you have theme or themes or different things to work on that's common, that's what you focus on, 100%. Every time anyone comes to my table, that's what I tell them. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. that's like that whole uh, trope about, like, you know, haters are sometimes your biggest teachers. Like, it's, like there's always a grain of truth in, like, what the haters will spill. So it's good to look for that and then figure out how to, you know, fix that, repair it or grow it, grow it or yeah. get around it, whatever that well, might be. But the thing is, people nowadays, they can just throw stuff online for likes and everything like that, and they've got that buffer of the internet. They're not actually in front of someone. So people can be brutally nasty or just whatever, standoffish, and not give you that really honest face-to-face, -face, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I was at uh, C2E2, uh, a bunch of kids were, you know, they were new, and I'm looking at, at samples and stuff. And I remember one guy kind of looking at me like, so, so what, what did you do again? What have you worked on? And so I, you know, I helped, I worked with Bob Lane on Iron Man and, and Jay Lee with, you know, X-Men and IDW and whatnot. And he's like, oh, so you really haven't done a whole lot. So I've, I've done some stuff. And as soon as that happens, Chris Claremont starts walking in. And I said, and I'm friends with Chris. Hey, Chris. He's like, hey, Austin. And they just, shut up. And Chris comes over, pats me on the shoulders. What are you doing? I said, we're just looking at the new, new talent, and hopefully they'll be working on some books from Marvel DC. They got some good stuff. He's like, huh? Oh, okay. He's like, yeah. He goes, are you eating? And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna eat in a little while. I was like, all right, well, I'll be over there if you want to stop by. I said, sure, sounds great. He leaves, and this guy goes, oh my god, he's the reason why I got into comic books. And I said, he's the reason why I got into comic books too. And if you're nice. He might talk to you someday. And then I got up and I left. Because you just don't know. You know what I mean? Everyone nowadays, it's easy to throw things up. And if people don't really love what you're doing, they'll just take it down. Oh, I just, I can't deal with that. You need a thick skin. You need to be able to take yourself not so seriously. Be uncomfortable, like you said, doing whether it's writing, whatever, because if, you know, when you work out and you're sore and you're uncomfortable, you're getting in shape. It's it's pretty much everything else, and you need to practice. A lot of people, they get good and they get comfortable, like, well, this is the best I can do, or this is, I'm good with this. And that's great, but, you know, like, you know, Toys R Us, whatever, they got complacent. Complacency will kill you, man, which is, I think, why I was able, I'm able to kind of hang around for over 25 years and still do comic books, right? Or it's pity. I don't know. Maybe it's pity. Uh, he's a nice guy. I feel bad. Whatever pays. The pity pays. Yeah, That's fine. I feel bad for him. So, uh, anything else? Anything else from any of you? Huh? No. All right. All right. Yeah, well, I apologize, gentlemen. I uh, I brain farted. I literally. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'm nailing I'm shit. So, hey, at least you showed up. Fucking Travis Gibb couldn't even do that, so you're all good. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Travis Gibb's a big deal, bro. He ain't got time for us. He's, <laughs> he's doing things. He is crushing it, dude. I'm so proud of him. Yeah, he yeah. Uh, he was like, he messaged me and he's like, oh, my computer's doing something. I'm like, then I sent him an IT crowd gif, and I was uh -huh. like, have you turned it off and turned it back on? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> 
Because you're uh, something too. It's hosting a virtual Comic Con. You're not on. Where are you at? Three days. Exactly. My voice is still here. Yeah, I'm, man. Three days. I'm dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks for coming on and being the last panel forever. No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, don't see that. Yeah, if you guys want to say where people can find you, you can do that, and then I can end it. And yeah. So whoever wants to go first. Go first, Chuck. Uh, Yes, sir. I can do that. What's up, gang? I'm Chuck Pino. I'm a freelance writer and editor. You can find me on Facebook under that name. You can find me on um, Instagram under that name. You can find me on Twitter at Chucky Pin. You can find my Chuck's Raw Reviews on YouTube right now. I have a new show that's about to start this Tuesday at 8 Central. Thank you very much, Dylan, Mr. Hype Man. Woo! Um, I have a new show called Shop Talk where I'm going to be bringing on comic professionals, or actually creative professionals. And we're going to talk shop and really kind of get into how people create the sort of things that they make. And um, even beyond that, the marketing and all that sort of stuff, really kind of kind of get into their heads and really nuts and bolts it. So very much excited about that. Um, my audio drama, Essence House, is doing quite well right now. The novelization of that is on Kickstarter. It's literally in its last, let's check this out, gang. 22 hours. So if you guys want to check out the novelization of Essence House, the um, hit audio uh, sci-fi audio drama right now, you can go there. You have 22 hours to go. We're at 110 backers, $2,855. I would love to hit the 3K mark. So if you want to get that and, and uh, check out some other stuff that's maybe not comics, um, I would love to uh, to show you what we can do. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, guys. Peace, love, and comics. Good job, Chuck. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that was amazingly energ energetic. I, I am afraid to follow that. I've done I've done this once or twice. <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Gavin Andazola, and uh, the writer, uh, creator of the Stone Legacy, and you can find me on social media. All over at the Stone Legacy, and my website is thestonelegacy.com. Um, yeah, and just an IME win ever. Cool. Yeah. Me or Dylan? It's got to be you, man. It's got to be you. Definitely you, yeah. So hi everyone, uh, I'm Austin Janowski. <laughs> I am a comic book creator since 1994, uh, actor, director, writer, do creative stuff. You can find me on Kickstarter with Austin Janowski or Austin Ronald Janowski for my acting page. Same with Instagram, uh, Twitter, hjanowski2002, even though I'm not on very much. Uh, IMDB, Austin Janowski. Uh, some cool things happening. I have a new Kickstarter called Stanley the Snowman that will be starting this week. It's an all-age holiday fun, and you will thoroughly enjoy it. Speaking of Christmas, I have a lead role in a new feature film called The Christmas Ride on Amazon. Woo! It's actually uh, a feature film. It's uh, a mumblecore. If you don't know what that is, it's basically... Completely improv. So the entire film is all improv. There's no script whatsoever. And is done by uh, director Stephanie Davis. She was a one-man band, uh, camera, sound, lighting, the whole nine yards. 
It is an uh, amazing experience. Great Christmas movie. It is not a Hallmark film. It is a real interpretation of what people go through on Christmas Day. Something for everyone. And uh, yeah, sorry I was late, and I do apologize. But I'm 50. It happens. What can I do? <laughs> Sweet. Well, that's it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank so, you for coming, thank you guys. I don't know what to do with my hands. What am I doing here? You guys have an amazing night. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait for the next one. And uh, if anyone has any more questions that I didn't get to, or if you want to chat with me, and just shoot me a message, man. Shoot me some stuff, art, whatever. More than happy to take a look at it and maybe point you in the right direction.